Welcome to Port Conversations. Today's topic is Port Washington Talks about Black Lives Matter. I'm Louise Mollinger, and also on the screen, you'll see my husband, David Franks. We live in Port Washington and started Port Conversations in 2014 as a way to invite the community to explore ideas relevant to life. In the spirit of full disclosure, David and I will tell you that we have participated in several of the Black Lives Matter marches in Port Washington and Ozaki County. Today is our first venture into a virtual conversation. Usually we meet face to face. We're especially grateful for the technical support we are receiving from the Niederkorn Library staff in using this video conferencing platform, BlueJeans. We know that today's topic carries strong emotions. So we thank our guest panelists for having the courage to speak out with their views. We welcome our three panelists and moderator. All of them are our neighbors. The panel welcomes all and any of your questions and comments. Your comments might include what makes you uncomfortable with the words Black Lives Matter. Please type your questions and comments into the chat feature at any time during the conversation. Direct your questions to my name, Louise Mollinger. David and I will be sorting through the questions and comments and we'll bring them back to the panel when they are open for questions and answers later. We thank all of you for joining us today. We gather with respect and an openness to learning. We are all here to learn, not to judge. We now turn the conversation over to Erica, our panel moderator. Erica is executive director of Bridge the Divide, a group that started in Cedarburg, but is active throughout Ozaki County. Erica and Heidi, the associate director of Bridge, describe themselves as passionate advocates for treating all humanity with love and respect. Bridge of the Divide strives to foster empathy and decrease fear by facilitating difficult community conversations about race, racial justice. Thank you for being here, Erica. Thank you so much, Louise and David. And I'm grateful that you got Port Conversations started because sometimes that first step, just having the conversation can be kind of difficult. So thank you for doing that. Um, welcome to all the attendees. I'm glad you were able to join us. I would like to start out, if I could, by having everyone in the chat tell us what city you're from. That's all. That's the easy questions. We can start out with easy stuff. Type in the chat, tell me what city you're from or what city you live in, whichever one I suppose is, is most important to you right now. <laughs> Lots of Port Washington, which is good, considering we're talking with Port Washington folks. Good. You should have a prize for the farthest away. We've got one Mequon, so you win the farthest away prize. Get <laughs> port. Good. So this really will be a good port conversation with with the port community. I like it. All righty. So um one of the things that we need to do uh, in these conversations about race is listen to people's stories. And 
on the panel, we have today three young women who would like to tell you their story. And I want to start out if we can just get an introduction from each person. Um, Izzy, can we start with you? Introduce yeah. yourself for us. Of course. Um, hello, everyone. My name is Izzy Wickes. Um, I'm currently going to be a junior in college. I go to Iowa State University and I'm studying elementary education. Thank you, Izzy. Natalie, how about you? Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Natalie. I'm going to be a so or I'm going to be a junior at uni at the University of Wisconsin La Crosse, and I'm studying social studies education. Um, I'll be eligible to teach middle and high school, but right now I'm leaning more towards teaching high school students. Sounds good. And our last panelist, Lauren, tell us about yourself. Hi, everyone. I'm Lauren. I'm going to be a sophomore at the University of Wisconsin-Madison this year. I am studying neurobiology with um, minors in global health and health in the humanities. Okay, well, as long as you're studying the easy stuff, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome, ladies. Um, I would like to, first of all, thank you for being um Courageous in standing up. I'm just aware of you from uh, marches that I've seen in Port Washington. So I am very proud of you ladies for, for, um, being able to kind of come out front and center with things that you believe in. I want to start by asking you, and anyone can go, um, first, what has been your experience with race and racism? What personal experience have you had? I can go first to answer that. Um, I just want to say, like, as when it goes towards experiencing racism, um, for myself, I can't say that I've experienced racism just because I am not, my race is white. So I don't feel like my, due to my race, I feel oppressed where I don't gain those um, equal opportunities sometimes, like, getting a fair college education, going to school, getting good health care, all of the above. So for me, I feel like I haven't experienced racism, but I've had I have listened to stories of friends and family that have experienced racism. Yeah, I agree with Izzy. Um, I mean, we've all experienced white privilege and stuff. I mean, we went to a school where I mean, I think Fort Washington High School was a pretty good school, like academically. Um, but a lot of the people we learned about in our classes, especially our history and um, like communications classes were white. So that's just like such a simple thing that we take for granted. Um, but like Izzy said, I have never dealt personally. I've never experienced racism because I am white, but I have, I do have white privilege. Um, and I think it's important for us to acknowledge that we have it so we can start moving forward. Right. And again, I have not experienced racism personally, but throughout the years and especially in times like these, I have been listening a lot to like black friends and other people of color from this community and from my school community. And I do know that racism is real and alive in basically every community. So there are many stories to be told, not necessarily about us, but for others. Thank you. Um, so with that kind of as your your history, 
What was it that happened in the last few months with the tensions and things bubbling up around us? What what happened that kind of made you feel like you had to step up to say something? How did that look? How did that that kind of journey happen? Yeah, so um I mean, growing up here, I was never really fully aware of the racism problems just because, you know, I wasn't experiencing um, comments and things like that because of my skin color. Um, but racism, like Lauren and Natalie said, it does happen in every community at different levels. So like in Port Washington, it doesn't happen at a similar level to it does in Milwaukee, but it's still prevalent in our community. And so I really think that George Floyd's death in Minneapolis kind of woke me up, I guess you could say, to like, wow, like I once I heard about George Floyd, I learned about the other lives that have been lost due to um, racism and police brutality. And so I went to Milwaukee for my first protest ever, and I just... I don't even know how to put into words, but the feeling when I was there just felt so united and together, I guess you could say, because I've never been surrounded with so many um, different people of different races and ages. And, you know, we're all there for the same reason. And I really got to um, talk to others and hear about their experiences. So I thought that was really cool. And we even had, this is a little short side story I'll share, but when the first protest I went to in Milwaukee, there was a mom who came up to Lauren, Natalie, and I and talked about how, like, just thanked us and, you know, hoping that, you know, her children won't have to fight for the same thing someday. So I felt that was really eye-opening to me, really emotional, and I figured, you know, let's bring this feeling of togetherness to Port Washington because I really think that a good way to bring our community together and be more inclusive. Yeah, I agree with Izzy. I think that racism is something that's just way too easy for us as white people to kind of ignore or glide over. But the more that like we've been educating ourselves and speaking to black people and people of color, it's just like the more you know, the more you like have to care and the more you have to like put yourself out there and work with these people to try to like stop these injustices. Um, for me, I would definitely say George Floyd's death. Um, I mean, we, us three have always known that racism exists, but I think this, that situation, George Floyd's death really, really like sparked something inside of us. And then we went to the Milwaukee protests and they were so big and like, like Izzy said, they were very united and it just sort of inspired us to bring it back, uh, to Port Washington um, and hope we can make some change here. Tell tell us a little bit about the uh, protest that you that you arranged for Port Washington. When was that? How did how did you get you know the folks to come with you? What did you do? Tell us about that. Yeah. So, um, well, we oh go ahead, Natalie. You got it. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, well, we would hold signs. Or we held signs in front of Smith Bros. Um, like Black Lives Matter, stuff like that. Um, and then that incident happened or whatever. So um, for those who don't know, just someone yelled some pretty like nasty things at us. Um, so that video, I took a video of it um, and 
it went like sort of viral, I guess you could say in the area, um, in the greater Milwaukee area. And we had some news stations like contact us, Fox six, TMJ four, um, channel 12. And we sort of had a platform, I guess for a little bit. So we decided with that, we should like try to organize a protest in Port Washington. Um, so we did, and we basically met with, um, two police officers and the city administrator like a few days before and like told them our route and stuff. And they worked with us on trying to ensure like a good route that was safe for everyone. Cause Port Washington is pretty hilly. Um, and we sort of just like contacted people, reached out to people for speakers to help bring supplies. And I think our, that first protest, it was on, uh, June 21st. I think it went really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm glad we got the chance to organize something like that. Cause I think it really was eye opening to, to a lot of people in this city and the surrounding area. I agree with Natalie on that. So we started by holding signs just on a corner and then eventually we saw another person that we never met before holding a sign on a corner. So we're like, Oh, we should go join them. And so eventually after, you know, doing that in Port Washington and going to the Milwaukee protests, we decided like, let's organize our, like, let's do this. Let's do this here in Port Washington and organize our own protests. And so we contacted um, different speakers. One was a family friend um, from Milwaukee, and she has never been to a town like Port Washington. So she said it was eye-opening for her as well, and she was so glad that we invited her to come speak. And then we also had two Port Washington community members speak, too, um, one in high school and one out of high school. Um, so I thought overall that protest was just really beneficial, and then Eventually, we got um, Break the Silence and the Birds decided that they wanted to come and we had that protest and plus two more after that. And so I really think that the protests, the goal of the protest of marching in the streets is to, you know, let our voices be heard, let others be heard when they are speaking. Because when we get a bunch of people to come together in a park, they're able to hear what the speakers have to say. And so I think that's a really beneficial part. And we just want to get simply conversations going about, you know, Black Lives Matter and how does that relate to Port Washington? So can we ask questions at this time? If if you can hold off on the questions for us or put them in the chat. That would be good. Lauren, what do you I, I thought this was a conversation, but okay. Just, he can ask. Well, Lauren, what about your your thoughts about the, um, the protest? I think the first protest went really great. Um, we didn't really have too many hiccups besides the initial planning. Just like um, I saw Pat ask, how did the police and city administrators react? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it was like the first protest we held in our town. And so there was a bit of hesitation. I don't want to like speak too much of it because um, a lot of the police officers have been really, really like working well with us lately. So, I mean, obviously there were a few hiccups, um, just like getting them to agree on a route and everything and all that. But I think the first couple of protests went by great. That sounds good. And now I think it would have been obviously a lot easier if um, we could have you come on and say, Everybody loved it. Everybody enjoyed it. You know, 
the whole town joined in, but it it wasn't necessarily well received by everyone. So how did you handle um, either personal friends or family that you knew, um, people that you didn't know, but there are articles, things are on TV. How did you handle um, the the tension, I guess, with things that you thought were going so well and you were you worked so hard to to make happen? And hearing and seeing folks that really didn't agree with what you were saying. Yeah, so we quickly learned, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion. We won't be able to reach everyone with our words. So, like I said, we're just trying to get people to talk about the discussion of Black Lives Matter, whether they agree with it or not. We want people to get thinking about it. So I think that our protests have really been beneficial with that. And as for people who have disagreed and stuff, um, we've really just expressed, like, we're here to express the message of, you know, in Port Washington, a predominantly white community, Black lives do matter here, too. We want to diversify our conversations, even though we're a predominantly white community. So when there's those um, people who are counter-protesting or don't agree with what we're doing, we really just want to stick to our to our goals and focus on that. Right. And I do think a lot of opposition or criticism does come from some misconceptions. Black Lives Matter movement has a lot of slogans that can be kind of scary, I guess, if you don't really fully understand what they mean. And it can be really easy to misinterpret these slogans. So I think in some ways they are a little confusing to use. But I think just like trying to clear up any misconceptions and stuff like that is definitely helpful. But, you know, trying to avoid conflict if you can. Yeah. And um, it's nice to listen to the speakers who come. I think that's a really beneficial part of the protest is when speakers come and you're able to, you know, start those discussions with people at the protest at the park, whether you're marching or not, like everyone's welcome to come in and hear out that person who's speaking. So I think that's a, another good way of how conversations have been um, starting and flowing um, in port. Right. Yeah. And, and each of you has said something about, you know, Black Lives Matter. You've had signs that said Black Lives Matter, that that's something that that um, you want to convey. So what does Black Lives Matter mean to you? Um, Natalie? Yeah, to me, it does not mean that other lives are, you know, held to a lower standard. Like, it's not like this is black lives and this is everyone else. It's not that everyone else is right here and black lives are here. It means they're equal. And the reason for the slogan or like the saying being black lives matter is because historically in this country, they have not mattered to a lot of white people. I mean, there's slavery. There's Jim Crow laws. There's the now mass incarceration war on drugs, which is a war on black people, not on drugs at all. Um, and I feel like a lot of people don't really understand that it just means that black lives matter in addition to the like everyone else. So when someone comes back with all life, no, all lives matter, all lives matter to black lives matter. They're just really missing the point um, because it's not saying all lives don't matter. But on the other hand, all lives cannot matter until black lives do. And um, black lives, they're not they're not treated as equal in this country by some people and by systemic racism. 
Yeah, I want to add on to what Natalie said. So Black Lives Matter means exactly what it what it says. Like Black Lives simply matter. Manner matter is the minimum, I think. And so like Black Lives Matter means that like the Black community is seen as a minority or they're oppressed. So we don't want we want we want to say Black Lives Matter so that Black lives aren't think of thought of as less than. Um, we want to think of Black lives as equal to. And so you know we have come a long way since slavery and Jim Crow, but like we still have a long way to go in every community. Lauren, how about you? What does what does Black Lives Matter mean to you? Yeah, I definitely agree with Natalie and Izzy. Um, a little further, I think it also means... Reporting is on. Oh, <laughs> I think it doesn't mean we're talking about police brutality. Like, I think it's really important to acknowledge that racism is systemic in this country, that it affects every systemic thing we have going on. It affects education, it affects healthcare, it affects employment. So just calling out those things that like white people don't normally really know about unless you are doing the research, finding it out. <laughs> hey, okay, thank you. Um, I did see um, another question pop up about some of the signs, I guess, that we had. So um, one of the signs that it looks like we wanted to ask about was defund the police. If, if those were signs that were at some of the protests and, and what does... What does that mean? Right. So defund the police is across our whole country, not just in our community, a very um, misunderstood phrase. So I like to reword it as reallocating the funds of policing to other areas or reforming of the police system in America. So defund the police is essentially meaning like, hey, let's help our police officers out because they're doing too much. They're overwhelmed. They have to take care of the health, health, the drug reasons. They have to take care of, you know, education. We have school resource officers. And so defunding the police doesn't mean that we want police gone. We definitely want to keep police in America. Like we just want to essentially take some of the policing budget away, which is millions and billions of dollars in every state. Um, and not all of it, maybe like 10% I've heard in some states and take that and put it towards mental health officials. Um, yeah. So basically it's just helping out officers and putting more resources and budgeting where areas, you know, hit those <clears throat> at the start and we can, you know, help people the better. Yeah. Are talking about a a white community um, in the suburbs and we're protesting and saying that black lives matter here. What about the argument that, well, if black lives matter in a large urban area like Milwaukee, then um, why does it not appear to some people that black lives matter there? Why are we saying it here? If it doesn't appear to them that black lives matter there. Any thoughts about that? I mean, just in general, I think that, you know, 
just really going deeper into the phrase of Black Lives Matter rather than the movement as a whole, I think that Black lives do matter everywhere, no matter what community they live. They should feel like they have voice. They should feel that they're getting treated the same as their, you know, white classmates, white community members. Um, so I think really, you know, no matter where you are, Black lives should matter to you. And like I said earlier, the movement itself might mean different things for the city of Milwaukee than it does for the city of Port Washington. So like for Port Washington, what we want to focus on for Black Lives Matter is letting our community diversify our conversations to, you know, because we are a predominantly white community and we want people who like, let's talk about for education specifically in high school who say racist comments or are harassing the black students with racial slurs. We want them to be talked to and held it, learn why that's wrong and learn not to talk like that to our fellow classmates, I guess we could say. So, and like Natalie said, we want to diversify our learning. We want to learn the black history. We want to learn our country's history. I think it all matters. So we need to, um, no matter where you are, realize that black lives do matter in every city. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with what Izzy, Izzy said. Good. And, and uh, as a black woman who is not from Milwaukee, and I have never lived in Milwaukee, but the idea that black lives matter, black ideas matter, black homes matter, black children matter, black families matter, it really has been something that we haven't heard from non-Black people, from the majority culture. So saying it out loud to, I I don't speak for all Black people, obviously, but to this Black person is a, a, a step towards the solidarity that we wish we had before. Like, well, of course, but it had to take some people saying it out loud to make other people wake up and kind of say, oh, well, I guess the things, the actions that you take have said differently than Black Lives Matter. And that's why you have to keep saying it louder to make everybody in the back hear, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. yes, and yes. I, f- I feel like people, when they hear Black Lives Matter, <clears throat> excuse me, um, when they hear Black Lives Matter, they think that's anti-white. But I mean, that that's so far from the truth. Like that's not what it means at all. I mean, we discussed it earlier, but I just thought I'd throw that in there while we were still on the topic. Yes. And then one other, um, I guess, discussion point is when, when you're trying to make a point about if black lives mattered, then maybe black people wouldn't, commit crimes. And I don't know how you can say that if you look in any community, you have people that commit crimes in any community. One of the differences is if you turn on the news at any time, you're going to see a black person committing a crime in Milwaukee. Like no matter what time of the day you're on news, that, that kind of is a push that we see a lot. So I think that it also makes people think that it's happening every second of every day. And it's, it's 
a criminal in Milwaukee, a criminal in Port Washington that's not on the news all the time. It's a criminal in Saukville that's not on the news all the time. So I think that's another of the things that that make us, it kind of twists the, the reality of things some because it's what you see all the time on television. So you must think that it happens all the time. But whatever group of people you're among, that same group of people is committing crimes against people that look like them. So right. in, in, again, in Port Washington, if you have mostly white there, then the crimes are going to be white people, crimes against other white people. If you're in a larger urban area that has a higher population of black people, then you're going to see that, that number be the same race committing crimes against the, the same race. Yeah. And just to shortly add on to that, um, you know, when it black on black crime, white on white crime, to me, I just consider that crime. Um, nobody is, you know, their skin color isn't the reasoning for why um, a certain crime might be happening if we want to relate it to police brutality. Um, so, yeah, it, white, like Erica said, um, there's white on white crime in cities everywhere. There's black on black crime. It's crime. It, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And also, um, we're still like black communities are still suffering from redlining, which yeah. was decades ago. Um, so that also has an impact on proximity um, of where different races live. So that's, and people commit crime um, based on proximity. So if you have a bunch of black people living right here, they're going to commit crimes, you know, black on black. But you have a bunch of white people here, they're going to commit their crimes white on white. You commit crime by proximity. Um, and 87% of crime, or 87% of white crime is white on white. And I'm not exactly sure the statistic, the percentage for black on black crime, but I know it's within 5% if not less. So it's, that's not a valid argument. Black on black crime is not a valid argument. It's a racist one. So, yeah. So let me, let me take a little bit. You talked about proximity and I'm thinking about the, the, um, the struggles that you might have getting this message out to the community where you live. How much of that do you think is because of proximity that, Port Washington isn't near um, an, an area that has a large group of people of color that interact with each other, that you're going to kind of organically meet somebody in the grocery store and strike up a conversation, or your kids are going to meet in the park and have, um, have the opportunity to have relationships with people that look differently than you. So for Port Washington, struggling with the concept of Black Lives Matter and why and and why do we have to do these things? What do you think about the the proximity? Is that is that um, a valid reason why people may be having a little bit of trouble trouble with it right now? I mean, yeah. Um, like I said earlier, a couple times, like Port Washington is a predominantly white community, so you know those opportunities to go play at the park or have a play date with a classmate or a friend that looks different than you is, you know, difficult here, but there are other ways that we can, um, 
kind of work around that, even though our community isn't diverse, we can diversify conversations um, with Black Lives Matter. And when it comes to kids, I've been learning about this a lot as being an elementary school teacher in the future. Um, there's plenty of books that I have never read in my elementary schools, but there are plenty of books that are bilingual that, you know, are told from a black child's perspective. You know, when we're little kids in elementary school, we want to find books that we can relate our skin color to, our age to, our experiences and stories to. So I think that, you know, even though Port is mostly white, we can find ways with in education, you know, even outside of school as a parent, you can find these books and help, you know, story time at night, like read these books to your children to help them become more diverse, more aware, more inclusive um, at a young age. Right. And to add on to that, um, I do think a lot of people view proximity as a reason to like, they'll say, why are we protesting Black Lives Matter here, whatever. But at the end of the day, we do have Black or POC people living in our community. And speaking from experience, I know a ton of high schoolers and I know a ton of adults who either work in Milwaukee or drive down to Milwaukee every weekend to go like do whatever for fun. They have friends in Milwaukee. So it's like we are we really are in proximity, considering a lot of people spend a lot of time down there. So the protest, um, I, I feel like we've talked about the protest and some of the, the questions that I see on social media or some of the struggle is, well, then what happens after the protest? Are the protests the, the end all be all, or is there something that happens next? What do you think should happen after the protest? Yeah, so we have a lot of ideas with this, actually, that we've been working on um, all summer, not just now. But, you know, the protests, like I said earlier, you know, marching is not to solve a problem. It's to expose the problem. So marching in the streets, like I said, we're having speakers come out, share their stories. We're marching, trying to bring that feeling of togetherness in our community Um but outside of the protests, we're also doing things. So we're working on starting um, petitions. We are having discussion events like this. We have more um, planned. We had one a couple months ago online, and we're having we're planning another one right now as well. And so these petitions that we're um, planning would do things like focusing more on our school district and how to diversify our schools, like I mentioned before. So we were have the idea of a, hiring a diversity coordinator or, you know, holding those racist um, comments and slurs accountable with those students. Or during Black History Month, I, in high school, we didn't talk much at all about Black History Month. Um, I knew nothing about it, if I'm going to be honest. And so I think I remember in high school, we had a ton of assemblies where everyone in the school would come together and listen to a speaker talk about drug addiction. And I think, you know, drug addiction is an important topic and we should keep going with that. But maybe we could also bring in someone, a black person or someone to speak about their stories, their experiences and 
how to be actively anti-racist and be more inclusive so that our Black classmates can feel included just as much as we do in our classrooms and community. Um, and um, like the curriculum is statewide. Um, so I'm not blaming the, you know, I know Izzy and Lauren agree. Like we're not blaming the PWSSD um, teachers, not at all. Like it's not like their fault. Um, but I would suggest, and this is going to be part of like our demands, I guess you could call um, for like the school board that they do as much as they can try to tell the truths of U.S. history because it's very, very, very whitewashed. Um, I mean, we basically learned like MLK ended racism, Malcolm X, bad guy, <laughs> Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves. Um, and that's not really, I mean, not really factual, so to say, and it's very whitewashed. There's a lot more to Abraham Lincoln freeing the slaves than what we're taught. But that's a whole nother discussion. And there's also a lot more than about the civil rights movement. Um, there's a lot more to that than what we learn. And I think it would be really beneficial for our students, starting at young, like in elementary school, to just learn true black history, uh, true black American history, because we're not, we're not prepared to leave high school to have conversations about race because we don't know. We're not informed. And I, like I said, it's no fault to the teachers. I think most of the history teachers I had throughout my time, K through, well, I guess just really middle school and high school for history, um, they would want to teach it if they could, but it's like statewide curriculum. They don't really have a lot of leeway, I guess. They do have some option with like what books and stuff they mm -hmm. make. So that's yeah. part that we want to enforce. And one of our demands for this petition is to, you know, bring more of those areas that we can work around the curricula curriculum to be more inclusive. And another really important thing that we all want to make sure we're doing is supporting students who are still at the school, like as alumni, support them in going to the school board or whatever they feel they need to do when racist actions are happening at the school. Just like really back them up and provide them with like a community who has their back as alumni. So hopefully we can help them make the changes they see that they need to do as well. And I would like to kind of circle back to something you said, Lauren, is we're having these conversations, although Port Washington is majority black. I mean, I, woo. <laughs> did I say that? Maybe that was just wishful thinking. I'm sorry. It's majority white. <laughs> there are students of color, families of color that live in Port Washington. So, so I think that they might get a little lost in this conversation. You have. Yeah. Either this or that. What do you think, or if you've talked to anyone, what do you think about um, some of the feelings that some of the families of color that live here, when people say, do that in another community, when they say, well, this is my community? What do you, what do you think about that? What would you maybe say to some of those families? I think that a lot of families and students don't feel heard. Um, I think that they've been having these comments thrown at them or like, you know, whatever racist actions and they've tried to say something, but nothing has been done enough that they just kind of feel silenced. And the fact that a lot of our community sort of denies that um, racism does happen in our county makes it especially difficult for them to stand up for themselves and to try to 
fight what's going on and create like change or hold people accountable even in the schools. Yeah, I agree, Lauren. And like, we don't see, I see another argument being like, why are we, racism doesn't exist here. We don't have police brutality, but there are different forms of racism, like education or just simply walking through the community. And so with these families, I just like black families and people telling them things, I just want to say like, we can't assume we're at where anyone is from without having a conversation with them. So I think that everyone has inner assumptions about people, inner judgments, but I think that to vocally spread that to other people, we can't say um, things that we don't know are true. Yeah, um, obviously I don't know what it's like to be a person of color living in Port Washington, but from the people I've heard speak and the people that I've talked to, it would feel very, I don't I can't even think of the word, just very, not lonely, but like, no, like, I just feel like this community, not everyone, obviously, but if someone's like, oh, something happened to me, I felt like it was sort of racist. Um, I didn't feel comfortable. They're like, no, you didn't. That's not racist. Like, just listen to their stories, I guess, would be a great starting point. Mm-hmm. Um And that includes the schools. And I do want to make sure that we have um, some time at the end for questions. So if I can just kind of get you all to give us maybe uh, a takeaway, if you could implant the idea into the, the minds of everybody that's listening, what would you want them to leave with? What kind of takeaway would you want to send off with all of the folks that are listening to this? Um, I would say that black lives matter here. And that's not to say that white lives don't matter. It's just to say that black lives do matter and matter is the minimum. Um, and I would say to just continue, uh, or if you haven't start educating yourself on and others. Um, I mean, a lot of us have the internet at our fingertips on our phones or our computers and just like looking up some stuff reading a book, watching a documentary. Um, in the chat, we were talking about some movies, um, documentaries that would be um, beneficial to learn and watch. Um, someone suggested having like a movie night at the band show to play a, like a documentary about this, like 13th, which is about mass incarceration and stuff like that. Um, so I just would say educate yourselves as well as um, just remember that black lives matter does not equal white lives do not matter. Thank you. Izzy? Yeah, I'll say something. So I hope that the takeaway um, is simply just to listen to others, because I would have never known these experiences um, are happening in Port Washington if I didn't hear out the speakers, the students, the community members, and I would have never known. So I really think listening is important. And even if we disagree. I think it's important to listen to those who are having firsthand experiences. Um, we need to hear them out. We need to move forward. So even if we disagree um, with the movement, it's important to at least hear other people out so that we can move forward and we can start listening and hearing people, letting people voice their stories and opinions and um, 
yeah, listen to each other. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd say when, especially when we're talking about Black Lives Matter in our community, it is really easy to get distracted or scared or offended by some of the big um, headlines you see in the news nationally and, you know, like in big cities and everything. I'd say I would try to research into those things. Again, like Natalie said, educate yourself, but don't let those headlines or slogans, you know, defund the police, I'd say refund the people. Don't let those scare you off from what we can actually do in our community. Even if you don't agree with when be, with things that might be going on nationally, focus on how you can make Black people and people of color in our hometown feel heard and supported. Because ending, or at least trying to end racism in our community can only make it better. And it's not bad to call it out when you see it, because we can only improve. Yes. And one last message, um, or another message I want to express is that you know, a lot of people say all lives matter, which I have learned to respond by saying, yes, you're correct. All lives do matter, but black lives aren't treated that way. So all lives can't matter until black lives do at that same level of respect and treatment um, that's happening in our community and in the world across the country. So, you know, let's keep educating ourselves. We can look up things, even if someone sends you an article, like I suggest that you read it and hear the other person out. Even like I said, if you don't agree with that person completely, 100%, we have to listen to each other, educate ourselves. Um, I would like to add one more thing. Um, vote, vote locally. <laughs> statewide and federal elections. This November is going to be huge, 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 huge for this country. It could make or break it. Um, and local elections and statewide elections are just as important um, because they decide a lot of, you know, local and obviously local and statewide um, laws and stuff. So definitely make sure you're registered to vote. Um, there's a website, it's called myvote.wisconsin.gov. You can register. I don't think you can register online anymore for the state partisan election, which is Tuesday, August 11th. But you can see if you're registered, request an absentee ballot, look what's going to be on your ballot because it's like different by location. Um, so that's a great website, myvote.wisconsin.gov. I'll put it in the chat. I, I, I just need to, you know, let people know how... Um, impressed I am with Izzy, Natalie, and Lauren. There's no way that I would have at their ages known um, the empathy for other people, have you know, the courage to actually stand up in a place that you don't have the majority agreeing with your, with your uh, thoughts about this issue and, and standing your ground to say, we're caring about these other people. And I think that's fantastic. So thank you so very much. I do want to turn it over to Louise. I think you have some questions or David have some questions that we can um, ask from the, the attendees that they submitted. So uh, Erica, I've been sending questions to you. So you have some that have come up, but could, we, could someone start by talking about the history of the Black Lives Matter movement? We know it's not just a brand new movement. I think Natalie's got this one. <laughs> oh, what? Um, Our resident historian, okay. 
I honestly, I don't really know too much about the history of it. Um, I think it formed in like 2013 or 2014. Um, I haven't really looked too much into the history of it. Um, but the organization, Black, the Black Lives Matter organization and the Black Lives Matter movement are very two different things. Um, the movement is more just like, well, it's, you know, hey, Black Lives Matter. And the organization is like a totally different thing. I mean, there's a lot of similarities, but um, a lot of people are like, oh, you communists, do you support Black Lives, the Black Lives Matter movement? Like, no, not what it is. Um, but yeah, I think it like the movement started in like 2013 or 2014. Um, I'm not sure what it started I, after. It could have been after. Um, I know that it was um, after the Trayvon Martin situation, I believe, or one of those situations. So I know that there were three founders of it. And I know that their message of starting this movement is to fight police brutality and, um, you know, racism within our systems across this country, like education, healthcare, housing. But I know that the main reason was it was formed by those three people to fight these problems of police brutality and racism. Yeah. Um, so I'm, and I'm, not, I'm not a fan of, of labels, but I really don't believe that you have to label yourself as anything. Well, I am not going to agree or help future teachers make curriculum better because I don't want to be labeled under this category. Well, then don't, don't join, don't label yourself as something and still think about people and do things to help people. I think you can do mm-hmm. that too, yeah. separately. Definitely. Um, I'm on the blacklivesmatter.com website and I'll just read this. BLM's hashtag what matters 2020 will focus on issues concerning racial injustice, police brutality, criminal justice reform, black immigration, economic injustice, LGBTQIA plus and human rights and environmental injustice, access to health care, access to quality education and voting rights and suppression. So it's not just like about the black community. It's, it's way more than that. It's about just, you know, human rights, whether that person is an immigrant, whether that person is gay, whether that person is transgender everyone you know um and i think a lot of people like don't realize that black trans women are like so oppressed in this country and that's a huge problem that not a lot of people like think about or care about um but i would definitely recommend like researching that about black trans women hey i want to try to get to a couple of the comments that i have um Let's see. Black Lives Matter is a national movement and the background should be more should be important to those marching or holding discussions under the Black Lives Matter banner. I think maybe we we maybe got to that one. Uh, Have you heard many derogatory remarks in Port Washington? God, yeah. 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 Someone someone said kneel on his neck. B words. Someone called us the C word and told us to, you know what, if you don't like it, then leave. And he was in a pickup truck. So, um, yeah. yeah. We've received the comments, the cuss words, um, 
you know, all of the above. But, you know, we can't speak for our black friends that have told us stories too. And they have also been called cuss words, the N word, um, all of the above. So we know better than to react with the same kind of energy back towards them. We've been called a ton of names in Port and Sockville from just holding a sign on the corner, um, especially to now after organizing protests. And so we know that we're not going to reciprocate that. And we're going to, you know, when they go low, we'll go high. Um, Michelle Obama. (laughs) We'll be, you know, the bigger person in this situation, because again, we want to focus on our goals. We want to focus on the movement. We want to focus on uplifting black voices. And we, we don't have time to deal with those derogatory terms. And, and I would say for racism, you know, when you're having these conversations, understanding all the definitions, though racism is not only being called a racial slur. Mm-hmm. I think that that's sometimes what you hear. Well, the reason that we're sure racism doesn't happen here is I don't hear people calling people racial slurs. But again, as we know, this, this undercurrent of racism that has gone through history isn't simply one thing and it doesn't mean because you're not doing the one thing that other things that are happening that you're supporting that you're not interrupting um is still racism yeah um, sorry did i interrupt no no go ahead i was just gonna add on that i mean i've heard some of the things said at the high school but i mean especially now students have come up to me and told me about like absolutely disturbing things that are yelled at them in the hallways and it's just like heartbreaking to know that that stuff is going on at the school so the school district definitely needs work with that as well yeah and it's not even just in the school district um it's in the community too so whether Mm -hmm. wherever it is none of it is acceptable and this is why we want to voice these things and have these discussions to make people aware so that we they can know you know we don't agree with this and I'd hope that nobody else would too right and and one other thought is that um when you want to come to the defense of your city you know things are things have been in local news um, things have been in the newspaper and I think it can make people um really upset that you want to say bad things about our city. And from my perspective, one, it's not bad things, right? You can have a great city and still have a place that you can improve. Right. But also that this same thing, even though it feels like this is all the world to us right now, because we live here, it's happening at every small mm-hmm. suburb in a majority white town all across the country. You know, that it's that it's it's not just something that's happening here and we aren't just pointing a finger here as if nowhere else is is having a struggle with racial tensions. So um, we did have another question about protests and using that in in, uh, air quotes. Do you really think that protests should include burning buildings? Um, Oh, sorry, my little message just moved. Uh, Oh, no, it's gone. Uh, burning buildings and destroying property and is that what a protest should be so i mean no i don't agree with that 
That has not been happening in Ozaki County, nor has it happened in Port Washington. We don't, we have encouraged that, or we have disencouraged violence or destruction of anything since day one um, in Port Washington. And, you know, we have to focus, like, is that happening in our city? And it's not. And that is taking, we have expressed that that takes away from our message that we're trying to display and burning buildings and destruction of property. None of that has even been relevant in our city and our county. And it has, there has been almost nothing of it in Milwaukee either. There was one incident, I believe. What? <laughs> one main incident I mean, if that got on the news, I should say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if we're going to talk about rioting in cities and burning buildings, how come no one's so mad and pressed after their team wins the World Series? They go into the streets, they flip cars, they set them on fire, alcohol everywhere. Who cares? You know, they don't care. But the second it's over black lives, all of a sudden it's, oh, my God, oh, my God, thugs, criminals. Like, no. I also just want to add to that. Um, I don't know if whoever asked this is referring to the Minneapolis um, fires that broke out or not, but also there have been absolutely tons of donations made towards those businesses, made towards um, those communities. There were donations of food for a grocery store that was burned down. If you look up, just if you Google it, you can see the images, the videos, the donations that have been made towards those community members that have lost a building or something in their area. Um, so there are people mostly who are part of those peaceful protests in support of the Black Lives Matter movement um, are working towards bettering their community. And, you know, the peaceful protesters aren't part of those riots. They aren't part of those destruction of property, those fires, you know, um, that's a completely, those are other people. They are taking away from the message of Black Lives Matter, but the majority of protests happening across this country are all, or have been peaceful, the majority of them, and they are expressing the message that they want to display. So, you know, it, it sounds like we do, we have a, um, someone that wanted to ask a question. Do you want to ask your question now? Oh, okay. Sorry, I thought somebody um, was asking a question. Go ahead, Nellie. Um, a lot of the protests, I mean, there, there's video proof. It's, there's videos, can't really, like, I don't know, you know, whatever. But um, a lot of the protests only turn violent after the police intervene and start pushing and, you know, tear gassing them and shooting them with rubber bullets, like, you know, point blank, right in the face. Like, I don't know. And also like property in my, like, do I agree? Would I ever go burn a building? No. Would I ever go loot? No. But property can be replaced. Profits can be made up. Black lives cannot come back after they are killed by the police. Like, plain and simple, like, I don't agree with it, but we need to have, an, like, a mentality of people over profit and po property. Um, so, yeah, that's just my 
little take on it. Lauren, did you have anything you wanted to add to that? Um, I, I, I agree. I mean, I would never personally do it. It's not my place to do it. But again, I don't think a lot of it was even done by Black Lives Matter protesters. That's my opinion. Um, in the case, if it was, I mean, it's not my place as a white person to say like how they should react yeah. when they've been oppressed by systems that we have in place in our country for years and years. Yeah, 401 years since the year 1619. Like, if I, you know, like, I can't even imagine the anger and the frustration and the emotion. Like, I, I can't understand it. And I never will be able to. Um, relating back. Oh, sorry, Natalie. No, no, I'm done. I'm done. Okay. Um, relating back to our port community, because I know a lot of people here are from our county and community. Um, every protest we've organized, every protest that's happened in our community, we have that talk before our protest expressing we will not be going up to people's houses. We will not be destructing or looting or rioting. We are not here for that. That is not going to happen in our community. Um, if you even have the thought or have expressed that, like you are not welcome to be a part of our protest. So I just want to express that to everyone here that every single protest we've had has been completely peaceful. Um, there has been no problems. We've been working with the police department um, to help us, you know, move along our routes that we want to do. We let them know almost a week ahead of time or three days ahead of time uh, our full detailed schedule or route for the protest so that we can avoid those things from happening. And, like, they also really reiterate the aspect of being peaceful when we went to the ones in Milwaukee. Like, every single—I mean, I've only been to protests here and in Milwaukee, but from what other people said, like, um, I know a few people have uh, protested in Minneapolis as well as Madison, and they all say the same thing. The leaders of those protests, they like to stay peaceful, stay on the streets. Um, if an, um, an emergency vehicle needs to get by, I've experienced this, we all move. No one's trying to take up the streets to block an ambulance, you know? Um, but yeah, I would say just that to let you guys know that we definitely reiterate the aspect of being peaceful at the protests we've had in Port. I know there's been a lot of misconceptions about that on online, but um, they're not true. Um, if you see something and you don't think it's true, um, feel free to like message any of us about it just to let us know um that would be very helpful but yeah can help clarify anything <laughs> yeah if, if any of you guys watching this have oh sorry but if any of you oh. guys have questions about like our plans or like what we did if you like heard something feel free to message us and we'll tell you if it's true or not another question that's come across is can you envision a Port Washington that is integrated where people get along and and if you can see that vision, then what steps would need to happen to make that uh, come to fruition? That's a great question. Um, clearly, I hope what we're doing is already making our community hopefully more integrated um, or inclusive. We, I mean, I've never seen so many yard signs that have like, you know, like all love is welcome here, Black Lives Matter, <laughs> things like that in Port Washington. But besides the yard signs, I do think that I have hope for this city. 
I hope that, you know, this conversation can continue. Um, I do believe that it starts in schools. We need to um, better prepare students to leave and get into the diverse world that's out there. Um, so I do think that what we're doing here is a good start to making our community more inclusive, but also we won't be able to reach a certain amount of people, which I understand, but I do think that if we continue to reach out to people, continue to educate and listen, we can reach more and more people to make this community feel more inclusive. Like even if it's just one person, you have one more person that is there to support you in life. Um, in school, in the communities. So, yeah. <laughs> this is a, I'm sorry. Yeah, you can go ahead. I, I, I was just going to say I can see it happening um, eventually. So I do feel like there's a decent amount of people who agree with us and are supporting us. Um, and if they have children, you know, they're going to teach their children, you know, to be anti-racist, that Black Lives Matter, tell them what it actually means. Um, so that the next generation can be more inclusive. Oh, I'm done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just wanted to make sure. And I know that folks started a little bit earlier in the conversation, but we couldn't watch it. Can we ask the attendees now to maybe enter some things in the chat that they might see as a good next step on? Yes, please. Um, yeah. healing some of these these um the some of the pain and the 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 trauma that's happening between different races what kind of things do you see that could help lead us to a better port washington yeah that's a wonderful idea um i know just speaking i'm going to speak for all three of us but we love hearing suggestions from people like a lot of people have messaged us I love what you guys are doing. Have you considered this? Oh, I would be willing to help you with this. Like I, it's, I think it's great. And it builds a, um, a close knit community, tight knit community, whatever the expression is. <laughs> and there is another question in here for you ladies, since you're young adults and um, they say that the issues in uh, one of the issues in Port Washington is that the demographics tend to skew to middle age and older so are any of you planning on staying in port after college? No. <laughs> um, personally, I am happy that I, like, I'm thankful that I grew up here. I met great people. Like, the community is great. Um, there are problems, though, in every community. And I think that it's important to work past those to make it better. Um but I do want to explore the world a little bit more mm -hmm. and, you know, live somewhere else and just kind of see where life takes us. Um, we do or we are going to be in contact with a couple of the high school students at Port to kind of take over what we've been doing this summer. And hopefully, you know, they can reach out to even more people when we're back at school. Yeah, I'd say never say never. Like, I really have no idea at this point. Um, I mean... Education-wise and career-wise, I might literally end up, like, anywhere, basically wherever it works out. So I have no idea. I could see myself coming back eventually when I'm older and established, I guess. But, I mean, I don't really know at this point. Yeah, I just want to get out there more and, like, 
experience like an urban area. Like I really want to move to New York City after I graduate, but expensive. That's all the people in New York City. Man, port to New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that would be quite a. I mean, I've been, I've visited there three times, but uh, I just love it there. I don't know why. I'm just so drawn to it. Another couple of uh, questions for our attendees, for all of you listening. Can you tell us one thing that you that you learned today? Maybe it's not a new thing that you'd never heard before, but maybe it was the way something was presented from one of the panelists or something that you hadn't thought of that way. Can you all put in the chat maybe one thing that you've um, learned today, one takeaway that you have from from today's panel look to see if I can read a couple of those is anybody typing yet I'll just say while we wait for people that I have Mm -hmm. learned so much this entire summer than I feel like I have not ever but kind of ever (laughs) like I have learned personally so much about not only Port Washington but like black history things that I've never even heard of before this summer so I am appreciative of that as well sorry I'm just writing down the lighthouse youth lighthouse youth ministry number (laughs) oh is that one of the the items in the chat yeah, um, we were talking with someone today and like her father and her like involved in it. And she said, like, even if we don't want to bring like, like Christianity necessarily into it, but like just religion as like a whole, um, just for like faith and stuff like that. Um, she thinks that would be like a good um, resource for us, for sure. So some of the things that we're seeing in the chat, um, some wonderful empathy and honesty from these young presenters, conversations with black people from both Port and other communities is important, telling their stories and their experiences. Um, I've learned that Black Lives Matter is welcome here by the majority of the community. The vocal minority is is, uh, what's pushing back. Um, Somebody said that they're encouraged by the involvement of the young people. Um, And I would also like to just remind folks that this is Port Conversations, you know, is a group that you have in your community. If if it has been beneficial coming together in a, a meeting like this, what other things would you like Port Conversations to talk about? Um, this is one of the items that's that's really important to us and that's that has a, a state, a local, a state and national focus now. But what other things would you like to have Louise and David as a part of Port Conversations talk about? If you can text those, put those in the chat for us. Um, I'll read a couple more things. Older is not always wiser, so we can still young. The young people will lead us, right? Yes, and I feel like a lot... Um a good amount of older um, generations don't seem to want to hear us out all of the time. Um, you know, I understand that they have lived through more than we have in life, but I also want to point out that that also means we have learned more about history in life with the facts and the 
stories sometimes more than some of these other people. So, you know, it, no matter what age, I think we all need to keep learning. No matter how old we are, um, there's always going to be history to be learned. I just want to point that out, that no matter what age we are, I think that we should be respectful and be able to listen to the information that we are sharing because no matter what age, if you're 50 or if I'm 20, um, both of what we're saying could also be true. So. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I um, We do have a couple of comments that are, um, you know, that we need to break down this conversation and, and continue the discussion. And I think that that's, something that is a part of having a conversation. It's not just the conversation and the conversation ends, just like it's not just having a protest and the protest ends. There, there is a pathway. There's a journey that we're taking and we need to keep taking steps um, to move, move the, the needle along that journey. Um, for, for our attendees, if there's one more thing that you could put in the chat for us, if you can tell us what you think your next step is. You've, you've heard what some young people decided to do. Um, you've, you've seen what it is when you can ask a community to come together and have this kind of conversation. What is it that you can do in your sphere of influence? What can your next step be? What, after this conversation, what do you see yourself doing to push the needle forward? As you're typing that in, I'm going to read through a couple more of the comments. Um, to Natalie's point, I think we someone said we need to coordinate all these efforts, the faith community, the port community. Why have everybody doing things separately? Um, mm -hmm. Looking forward to more conversations to facilitate change. Um, Someone else saying that they're proud of you. Um, thank you for moving the needle forward. What's a heart? <laughs> and Natalie's heart on screen. <laughs> yes, yes. So again, thank you so much for um, being willing to speak about your experiences, being vulnerable, uh, having the, the courage to kind of stand up in front of another, yet another group of people and, and kind of tell your heart for the issues that we have. We appreciate that. And um, again, I want to let David and Louise know how much we appreciate them putting together this conversation. And I am assuming many, many more <laughs> now that we have this, uh, this is blue jeans that blue jeans is, is coming on as a, as a good platform. <laughs> thank you so much. And I'll turn it over to Louise and David. Okay. Thank you so much, Erica, for keeping the questions going, watching the screen and uh, remembering the time. Thank you so much for being here. And, Izzy, and to Izzy, Lauren and Natalie, again, it, we know it took, took courage to, Speak your, your mind. So thank you so much for being the young people of Port who are speaking to all of us. So, yeah, thank um, you for having us. And thank you, Erica. Yeah, thank yeah, you yeah. for giving yes. us this 
the opportunity and asking us um, great questions. I really hope that it helped everyone get some clarification and, you know, some motivation to support and keep having conversations with other people. So thank you. So we know that not everyone agrees with the uh, was present today. We, we saw a number of comments, all very respectful. So we thank our attendees for, for showing uh, respect to all of us. So, so thank you for being here. Um, a number of you, or, or we had some comments that you don't agree with some of the facts that were put out. Um, I don't know how to uh, create a forum where we can share where we're getting facts, but it's always good to have your evidence with you if you're going to disagree with something that you hear. So, um, well, there's facts, and yes, there are opinions. I just saw that. And so maybe we need to always... I think keep it straight what we're talking about. So th thank you, everyone. We had up to 34 people here this afternoon. That was so good that there was that much interest in this topic, as there is across the nation. So I can tell you that David is committed to having another poor conversation in the fall. Now that we are working with the library in a virtual format, while we're all taking care to be safe during the pandemic. And we happened to see that someone wanted a conversation on water. And it so happens David is hoping to set that up in the fall sometime. So that's a topic that all of us import, well, Wisconsin are interested in and uh, in the Midwest around our Great Lakes. So. And, uh, and, and we're looking forward to a discussion that we had to cancel earlier this spring uh, related to uh, uh, the, the facts related to climate changes. And uh, so that's an important one, too. And uh, so those are a couple. But certainly the topics that have been generated here this afternoon are worthwhile exploring. For example, one of the things that 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 I'm interested in is how do we use our precious tax dollars at the local level, at the county level, at the state level to address the problems associated with poverty, quality education, health care, home, homes, homes and things like that. And. Um, my take on what I'm listening to is that the challenge is that much like school teachers have been, the notion of taking care and raising the kids of America has fallen on the educational system. The police have become the babysitters for the rest of our society and, and culture health. and mental health, drugs, everything else, which says to me, that the rest of the systems are failing, not the police, but we need to work on getting all those systems in place and getting them working and hoping then to prevent or reduce some of the challenges which, which uh, our, 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 our police departments take, take care of us with. So anyway, we've got a lot to, to continue our discussions about. So I say thank you to all of you. You are delightful. <laughs>